podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a view from the bridge, official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Wednesday, the sixth of March, two thousand and nineteen. My name's Patrick Smith. I can't believe it's March already. The most decisive month in the Elite League calendar for regards to the League Championship. The Belfast Giants had three games in the past week, and uh, well, mixed fortunes with a bit of a disappointing loss in Sheffield, but two wins over the Five Flyers. And at home to the Manchester Storm. We'll, of course, come to those. And we'll also be chatting with Kevin Rain later in the show. But before that, Mr. Majimsey, how are you? I'm okay, Paddy. Favourite month of the year, you know. Love March. a good March. You love a good March. <laughs> and uh, Joe Neal, how are you? It's the last, I guess, was your countdown to the opening day in the baseball championship? Yeah, we are in spring training mode right now. But there's a, a few bits of business to take care of on, uh, on ice first. But how, how do you follow that in? Davey. like it's nice to be back up but I, I can't beat that <laughs> right well let's get stuck in boys Bond Bond jousting in that corner against Shaber rolled off Shaber stick and now here's a chance it's in the back of the net what a finish from John it was a bit of a broken play but Dustin Johnner will get his 21st league goal of the season, and it's one not in Belfast. First job done by Johnner. Gets the faceoff. So now the Giants go to work. Murphy's going to go back post. Murphy had an open net for that pass from Rutherford. Skipped over his blade. Here's Murphy. Murphy scores! Up top shelf where you keep the good Irish whiskey. Darcy Murphy with a huge goal. That wasn't a good pass. It's turned over to the Giants. It's all a little bit tight. Oh, what hands from Murphy. Fantastic. Inside and out. And then the top corner. Here comes Darcy Murphy. Murphy inside. There's a chance at the back door. It's in. They took a deflection off the defenseman stick in front. And I think Blair Adams going to get the plaudits for this one. Lumpert, he tries to feed it through the blue pin. Takes the shot, gets to the back door, shot coming to hit the poke! It's in the net though! It's hit in the net again by the defenseman! And the Giants are 2 0. Vonamir picks the shot, gets the second one through, he's a chance for the Giants! Lovely finish from David Rollerford! 
And that brings our fans to their feet. 3-1 Giants. Yeah, great job by this line. Murphy was working really hard. He was able to get it up to the point. Vandy with a great uh, hesitation gets the shot through. And then Rutherford picks it up, uh, goes around again and puts it upstairs for the goal. Making it to 3-1. Nice defensive play there by Leonard on Roach. Comes off a linesman. Gets it onwards to Chris Higgins. Higgins has got him on at the back door. Jonner inside. Top corner. Four points. Great hands up play from Chris Higgins. And I said it a few minutes ago. Jonner was having a quiet game. He steps up and goes top shelf. This off went by the Giants. Touched up and there's a chance here for Kyle Vaughn. Vaughn in all alone. Decently outside. Unselfishly. Nays it off for Dustin Jonner. The tie hangs up. Jonner with the second goal of the night. Great work here by these guys to kill this game off. Uh, they're able to chip it out of the zone. Kyle Vaughn, like you said, with a really unselfish play over to Dustin Jonner. And he's able to get the, uh, the fifth Giants goal here to seal this, which is a big victory and a much needed points here in this title chase. Belfast Giants took on the Five Flowers last Wednesday on the 27th of February. It was the game that was live on Free Sports and the Belfast Giants walked away with a 3-1 win. The opening goal came from Dustin Jonner. Uh, 14 minutes and 19 seconds into the game. Five in the third period leveled it up 1-1 with Brett Bulmer. They also were handed on a goal but it was, it was uh, washed away on VAR. They thought they'd taken the lead only for Darcy Murphy to score a fantastic power play goal, threading the needle to make it 2-1. Then, in the empty netter, Darcy Murphy once again made it 3-1. In goals, Shane Owen with a loss, 30 saves on 32 shots. The other side, Tyler Beskarwani, 26 saves on 27 shots. Your referees that night were Blake Copeland and Pavel Halas. Um... Davey, we were talking about this, obviously on the back of the games the previous weekend uh, and, the, and the successes against the Cardiff Devils. The Giants needed to keep the foot down, but it was maybe a little bit of a tighter affair uh, in Kirkcaldy than Giants fans wanted. Um, tighter affair, and I definitely think there's an element of just the amount of games and the speed they're coming at, you know, with a bit of catching up, or is that Beer 52 opening there? I was going to say, man, that just made me thirsty. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I think we got off to a reasonable enough start. The goal from from Jonner was really well worked, and it was good hard forecheck. Bonner getting involved in it there, and then the little little give and go between Murphy and, and Jonner with a lovely, lovely quick release. You know, putting it behind Owen, who's he's been difficult for this us at times this season. You know, and I thought through the game we were comfortable enough. You know, we fired it, got to seventy shots on on Owen, and certainly in his direction. And you know, we've probably done enough to to be comfortable enough in the end and, and then obviously they come back with just over 10 minutes to go in the game with that goal and then a little bit of controversy they're not too happy with the uh, the penalty that's that's given and, and Darcy Murphy with a, a lovely finish I think uh, there's a bit of a feed across from from Dustin Johnner and he just he can't connect on with the one-timer but he goes picks it up again circles around top of the circle and just finds you know literally threads the eye of a needle I know Shane Owen wasn't happy with his D-man giving him so much time and space to shoot but you know, he finds a space that just isn't there to, to pop it in his over his shoulder. And then obviously we'll go and, and, and fill the empty net to, to make it maybe look a bit more comfortable with the scoreline and, and get a few boys that were on the overs get their bets in. But, um, 
<laughs> Cheers. And, um, <laughs> I don't know who you're but, talking about. But uh, like, it was it was a, a long old day on the bus. You know, we, we left Belfast at sort of half eleven in the morning. We're we're travelling all day to get to the rink. Not much rest for the boys. You know, we were bussy legged, but you know, came, it's at this time of the season where there's little to no games left. Where you know nobody will remember the performance. I'll just remember that it was two points in a tricky old barn. Mm. Very true. Uh, we brought up last week, Joe, the fact that Shane Owen is a is always a difficult prospect to, to to play against. Yeah, like we look. The thing is with this game, I know a lot of people were saying, you know, we 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 escaped. Uh, we were lucky with that one. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's been a tough week for the Giants in general. Following up that Cardiff double, which was as emotional and as intense as it gets in this league, you have to go out on the road, uh, and it's not even a, a single road trip. You got to go to Fife midweek, you got to go to Sheffield, and then you got to come home and close out. Those are gonna be greasy games, and, and you know, I, I was maybe a little cynical too. I was working that night; I didn't get a chance to watch it on Free Sports. Um, I've obviously seen Darcy Murphy's goal, which is sensational. Um, mm-hmm. But I was even a little bit uh, sort of skeptical. Um, but Davey even there saying you know you, you put a lot of rubber and Shane on there uh, in terms of how to win a greasy road game that's really all you can do grind it out uh, throw pucks forward and, and thank goodness in the end it paid off um, <clears throat> it's just it's, it's tough you go from the highs of, of a full barn, 7,000 people going absolutely crazy. And then three or four days later, you're out on the road again. Uh, the elite ice hockey league, I think, is up there with some of the hardest ice hockey leagues to win. Just in the nature of it, I think we're a bit of an anomaly just in, in, in the way you win our league. Um, so uh, as you say, you know, uh, two greasy points count the same as two beautiful ones. I'm just glad that we got out of uh, that game, first of all. Kirkcaldy's a tough place to go to, but but out of the week in general with four out of six, you know, I, I just think um, you're maybe a little naive to think that we're going to sweep the, the rest of the season. You know, both sides that are in this title chase are going to drop points, but uh, I think we dodged a bullet on the, on the night. Yeah, we'll not linger in this game too much. Uh, the highlights, I'm sure, will become available at time of writing. I don't think they're online, but uh, keep an eye on Kingdom of Johnson at AVFTV for those. Uh, and we move on to the game in Sheffield at the Fly DSA Arena against the Sheffield Steelers. The Belfast Giants, the last time they travelled that arena, walked away on the doubleheader, walked the second game, they walked away with a loss. Unfortunately, it was another loss. Uh, 4-1 to the Sheffield Steelers. It was the Giants that opened the scoring on 14-23 when Darcy Murphy stuck it. Well, another lovely finish from Murphy sort of getting through and, and lifting it high on Jackson Whistle to maybe put the Giants 1-0 up. But that's as far as it went with regards to the Giants scoring. Uh, but two and a half minutes later, three minutes later, John Armstrong made it 1-1 in the second period. Ran Martinelli on the back stick and a lovely cross pass was able to put it through Tyler Beskarani's 5-1 in the back of the net to make it 2-1. Anthony DeLuga made it 3-1 in the third before Jonas Vesseling made it 4-1 and rounded off all the scoring. The game also had the ejection in the first period of Tanner Ebley for a five-plus game for elbowing. Uh, but regards to the goalkeepers, Jackson Whistle with the win, 31 saves on 32 shots. Tyler Beskarwani, 18 saves on 21. Your two referees for that game were Andrew Dalton. Congratulations to him, by the way. He's on his way to the World Championships to the uh, alignment out there, but he was refing on that night, as was Tom Darnell. Joe, I'll start with you. You, you mentioned it yourself, and I, th- I said as much on Twitter. We're, we're never going to win and sweep every single game to the end of this season. However, is the Sheffield Steelers side are battling for a playoff place. So dangerous enough. Yeah, but absolutely. A, but it was a hell of a frustrating game from a Giants perspective because we seemed to play within ourselves. 
that's it. You know, the, 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 the telling thing for me, the thing that summed the game up, Tom Barrasso's interview, um, he showed up there after the game and was talking to, to Dave Sims. Uh, and Sims, he said to him, you know, uh, despite Sheffield's league position, despite their troubles this year, they've always seemed to rise to the occasion whenever they play the Giants. Uh, and why is that? And Tom Barrasso's quote was, uh, we're scared that if we don't play a hard game, they'll embarrass us. And I mean, that says it all. We didn't rise to our own standard on the night. Um, look what Cardiff did to them the next night. You know, it was a 6 nothing shutout. Uh, whistle was pulled after half an hour. Uh, and Adam Keefe knew that. You know, you could see the dejection in his face. He was disappointed. He said his players looked gassed. And, and obviously that we're in that kind of playoffs mentality. And, and he wants to see that passion and that intensity. Um the Giants' problems on the ice, uh, apart from being kind of looking gassed and, and not being uh, not being clinical, uh, the coverage in our D zone wasn't up to scratch. Uh, you know, at, at one point uh, we were on a power play, and there were three bodies swarming Neely uh, over to the the right of our zone, and he still came away with the puck. And not only did he come away with the puck, but Josh Roach then takes a cheap tripping call, which kills our power play. It was just that kind of sloppiness, I think, that cost us on the night. Um, Besco uh, had a, a very uncharacteristic night. If you look at those the, the first three goals um he didn't look overly set for any of them uh, and the third one especially i just he was kind of deer in the headlights he, he wasn't set at all he was standing upright and and the wrist shot from uh, from deluca just seemed to absolutely catch him off guard and it did come on a, on a kind of turnover uh kyle bond made an excellent play and and we had a, a really fast two-on-one that he had to deal with but there wasn't even much of an effort to get to it so it was just one of those nights. Sometimes you you can't uh, if you could bottle that intensity and that passion and, and what a team needs to bring to a game to win it. You'd be a very very rich person. Uh, and just on the night, unfortunately, as team sports go, we we didn't come away with it. Um, we had our issues, but uh, as I said earlier, you know you can't realistically expect to close out the entire season. I don't think we will, and I don't. Well, we obviously haven't, and I also don't think Cardiff will. Um, every dog has a stay. Sometimes you'll drop points to a mid table team, you know. Davey, from my perspective, watching it and just I think with the growing frustration as the as the game went on and on, but it seemed that the Sheffield Steelers were just boxing us boxing us out a bit too much that we were being forced to take long shots and not really not really testing Jackson Whistle maybe as as well as we should have. We certainly didn't move him, um, sort of left or right as we know that uh, probably one of the weaker parts of his games just due to his injuries. You know, we we did hit him. A fair few times in the chest, you know, we did put a decent amount of almost 50 shots on goal. You look at shots, block shots off target, hit the pipes, all that kind of thing, you know. Um, I don't think we worked them enough on the night. I think Keepers, well, Keepers obviously, right, he's the coach of the team. We looked a wee bit tired. Um, you know, we got ourselves off good power play situations a couple of times, two or three times during the game. You know, our, our power play has been lethal of late. So give us four or five looks and we're going to get a goal. But you know, when you're only getting maybe 10 or 20 seconds in the power play before you've taken a little penalty of your own, even up calls, maybe some of them, but, you know, you just have to be extra careful there. And unfortunately for us, there's a few four-on-four opportunities as well. I think they, they scored perhaps on the four-on-four um, from memory. But, you know, just one of those games, Paddy, where perhaps getting that second goal would have been crucial, holding on the lead for a little. Darcy Murphy's put us ahead, you know, getting into that period break. Might have been able to settle things down, but they were able to come back just after a couple of minutes after we'd scored a, a, and get the equaliser. So they have gone into the period break maybe with their tails up and and we've allowed ourselves to be pegged back. And, you know, big crowd in there on your back. And 
Martinelli of all people coming up with a <laughs> with a goal and a celebration that'll not he really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. You know, well, at the other day, celebration. I thought it was a well. Maybe I'm just being a bit overly uh, sensitive about it. Thought it was a little well, bit much. Well, we've got the you know take it if you're if yeah. if you're in oh, the very, very, in, in the crowd and you're giving the booze and the chirp side. That's his only way to answer back, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just have to as a fan, you gotta take those ones on the chin. No, that I like it. No, not at all. But <laughs> you know, it's 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 one of those. If you're going to boo him, <coughs> excuse me. If you're going to boo him and he scores well, and he's absolutely within his right to give you a little chirp back or whatever, a little celebration back. So fair play to him for that. But um, I just don't think on the night we worked them enough. It wasn't a case of. Not us working hard enough. I just don't think we had the legs in the end to to compete. They obviously you see how much they put into that game when they go and get absolutely pumped the next night after half an hour. The game's over the following night, you know. So they put all their eggs into that that one basket over the weekend. They they identified that as the game to go for out of the two, and and they took their opportunities when they came along. Unfortunately for us, um, you know, just to think all over the ice. I think the boys will look back. Well, probably won't look back on this one. Is it uh, stick with you, David? Just that'll come to Joe, but like, what, is it an opportunity missed there? But especially when you consider what happened with uh, Tanner Eberle at the start. In fact, what's your thoughts on the Tanner Eberle hit? Um, nothing more on it. I think five plus game was probably about right. He, he's elevated in the head. He's left. he's caught Vandy very high and very fast. Um, I think that. The, the five plus game is right. I don't particularly think that the supplementary discipline any more suspension than that was required. I think they got the call right on the night. Do you think? Do you think that uh, regards to losing him from the game? Is it an opportunity missed for the Giants? Um, I think both teams uh, sort of had a reshuffle. Giants shuffled about the lines a few times during the, during the evening and. I, I thought at times we we played quite short bench, you know, we played the top two lines quite a bit, and um, you know, it's it's just one of those, Paddy. It's it's hard to to, to reanalyze that game in, in any more terms than we looked pretty gassed, and um, we just didn't have, you know, we had opportunities, um, and I think at two one, right through to sort of the last ten minutes of the game, there's only a cigarette paper between these two teams. It's a, there was a lot of turnovers. There was a lot of two on one breakaways both ways, and you know both goaltenders made saves when they had to. I think we probably would have wanted maybe one more save out of best goal during the game, and that would have been a massive turning point for us. Unfortunately, he didn't come on that night. You know he's been exceptional over season. He's like nine twenty two, played over sixty games. You just worry about fatigue at this time of season. You know I talking having a laugh earlier on with he's about having having him wrapped up in cotton wool at this time of the season because <laughs> you want him fresh. There's two games coming up the weekend. You know the next game's our biggest game. We can't look forward to Sunday until Friday, Louis. But it was just a game too far in terms of Sheffield. We're sitting there waiting on us, and as Joel had said, you know we'd had a week, we'd had travel. We've had the emotional drainage of, of the Sunday night. Like those those big games take it out of you emotionally as well as physically. Are your whole weeks your whole week's ruined in terms of you've got Monday off, you maybe have a light day on Tuesday, you're travelling Wednesday, you can't really train on Thursday because you're travelling Fridays, you know, you're travelling you maybe get a bit of a pre game or a bit of a skating Friday and then you're you're travelling Saturday, Sunday again. So it's it's just it's been a, a week or ten days of just non-stop movement, and, and the guys just looked a bit tired for it. Joel? Yeah, if I can wind it back first, just to the, the hit on Vandermeer. Of course, yeah. 
the 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 Aberly hit. Uh, Neely wasn't taken down. This is my problem with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you look at it, Jeff puck on the deck. He's reaching up and over Neely. Um, it's a great Ever- defensive play. It is. It absolutely is. As, as Sizz always says, he's a Rolls Royce, you know. Uh, but to me, Everly then puts Venom into the hit as a result of that kind of perceived contact. And, and that's where I would take issue with it in terms of intent. Um, as as Davey says, probably not worth supplementary discipline. Obviously, Jim wasn't injured. He's okay. Thank goodness. I think the call was wrong. I think it was more of a charge than an elbow. I didn't see an yeah, elbow in it, but he, he definitely, you know, just the, the way he makes the contact, it's, it's more of a charge. But it's it's that intent that bothers me um, because Jim actually made a solid play. Um, but yeah, probably not worth much, much more. Um, but really, I can't add to what Davey has said there. Um, you can't take it back now. It's a it's a difficult week on the schedule, especially with uh, what had what had came before uh, and just how fragmented and split up that it was. You have to scratch it off and move on, and, and you know take care of our side of things. And as the coach says, uh, let the chips fall where they may. Let's scratch it off and move on. Then uh, the highlights of that game, kingofthegiants.com from our friends at Steelers TV. And we move back to the SSC Arena on Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, my apologies, as the Manchester Storm make their last visit over to Faces on uh, on Queen's Island. Uh, 5-2 win for the Belfast Giants. The scoring was opened in the first period by Blair Riley after 9 minutes and 51. And David Rutherford doubled it up. Now I say... If two goals were opened by it, Belfast Giants were tuning <laughs> up and they hadn't actually put the puck in the net yet because both those goals came off Manchester Storm players. The first one came off the stick and the second one came off the back of a player coming to... Who was the player trying to dive? Uh, Rob. Rob, yeah, trying to dive to, to clear it and he sort of hit it off his back. So the Giants were tuning up and the first Storm came back. Dan Myers made it 2-1 before David Rutherford actually put the puck in the net this time to make it 3-1 Giants in the third. Uh, Lyndon Springer, Simon Kitchen's favourite player, made it 3-2 before Dustin Jonner got two, one of which shorthanded and empty netted to make it 4 and then 5 Two goalkeepers, Tyler Beskarani with the win, 24 saves, 26 shots. Matt Ginn with the loss, 42 saves, 46 shots. And your two referees were Blake Copeland and Chris Wells. I believe Steve Brown was supposed to referee this game, but was unable to due to the fact that he took an injury the night before in Manchester when he collided before the game with Lyndon Springer. However, Wells and Copeland were your referees that night. Davey, um... Mm. Yeah. First of all, those first two goals, it's very rare that the Giants can take a 2-0 lead and have not put the puck in the back of the net. <laughs> yeah, you say that, but, you know, it's the old uh, cliche, you know, you put the, the puck on net and good things happen, you know. Um, the captain, oh, sorry, sorry, tell me she doesn't know how to respond to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, your thoughts on... Uh... Uh, um, sorry about that. Um, yeah, the, you know, the captain's gone... I think it's Rayner and, and Murphy have combined to, to put uh, Blair Riley away down the left and he's 3-1 across the crease looking for I think it's Rudy coming in, flying in down the right hand side and uh, Rupe has, has put the stick in there off his skates or whatever and put it past Jenner and you know puts us in a good position that second one's a bit of a confusion for everyone involved, you know Rudy's, Rudy's played it, got it back into the crease there's been, a, I think it's as a Josh Roach puts it across the net and Rudy really should score but manages to the miss and then bangs the rebound and 
somehow yeah. somebody scores a diving header to put to put us two nil <laughs> up, and uh, that that was one of those goals where you know it scored in the delayed penalty. Very very seldom see that. I think you maybe commented on on Sunday about that, Joel. You know how often do you see? Yeah, first time uh, I remember. I, I, I and you know I'm doing our inverted commas here. You know an unknown goal I can't score in but they two, but um. You know, so that put us in a nice position, I suppose, going into the first period break. And we have been poor in terms of um, pr- production in second periods for, I, I don't know how long now. I need my stats, but like in terms of goals, we're a first and third heavy, heavily weighted. We don't score goals in the second period. That's that's one for the for the, for the the boys that are doing the, the spread betting and stuff. You know, we just don't score. I think we scored five goals or six goals in... Um, the month of February in the second period, you think how many games we played, yeah. um, you know, um, and we scored dozens in the first and third. You know, we're we're we're, we're good in those periods. So again, we came out. You know, second period is always a harder period, especially for the home team. But um, you know, we, we hung in there. The crowd was muted. You know, you see the the reaction on Twitter. People saying this is boring and stuff, but. You know, you can't always have strawberry ice cream. Sometimes, you know, especially during the uh, during the the Doug um, Christmas scenario, you know, we have to deal with a little bit of vanilla from time to time. And <laughs> nice, we um we had to just go. We, we we managed to get through the game. You know, that's about the the best we can say. You know, when they came back, roared back again with sort of ten minutes to go in the game, and then we will get those two goals with with Dustin Johnner coming up, and then the shorty on the uh, the the goalie pulled, and, and we're shorthanded as well, and. Dustin Johnner, very unselfish from Bonner to yep. put him in there. You know, Bonner could uh, I think well, at this this season that'll have been something that'll have been talked about perhaps because a couple of times this season guys have went away with empty netters and have been selfish in terms of they haven't hit the target, haven't scored the goal and it leaves the opposition with an opportunity still to come back into the game. Bonner does the right thing for the team there, perhaps could get himself on the score sheet in the, in the goals column but decides to take the assist. Johnner manages to tuck it away there and, and you know, continues into March the way he finished February. Joe? This one wins the award for the most bizarre game of the season for me. Uh, it was just a string of weirdness. Uh, very disjointed and very strange. You know, you, you go 2-0 up. Both of them are, you know, technical own goals. Not only that, they're scored, I guess, by the same player. Um, the second own goal, Rudy takes a double minor for a high stick, which he was absolutely nowhere near. He just flipped yeah. the, the puck up, up up onto the post. It was Darcy Murphy, but Rudy goes and sits for, for four. Uh, we killed that very well at the open of the second. Um, we scored on a delayed call, as Davey said there. I don't remember ever seeing that before and certainly in my time um, and good god how many times did we go to TV review during that game um, not only that but there were errant goal lights going on whenever there weren't goals there were uh, scrambles with a frozen puck they ended up being a goal I've just never seen such a weird display but I guess whenever you play so much in a season you're going to have as, as Davey has also said those games where it's just it's not a, a three period barn burner where everybody's screaming um, and it probably goes back to what I said whenever we started talking about this week's games that this was a, a sneaky tough week for us that I don't think anyone had really considered because everybody had had their eyes on the prize, which was the the Cardiff doubleheader. And to come out of that uh, and into three games that are all spaced over a day apart with four out of six, look, 
of course I would want six, um, but I think uh, you need to be realistic that you're 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 not going to clean sweep the rest of the season. Uh, so I'm just glad that we came out with four, and I'm glad that we pulled it together in the third. Um, I think we did finish strong, uh, especially with uh, Higgy taking that hooking penalty towards the end of the game uh, and then managing to pull again for a six on four. Um, we weathered that well, and we scored an empty netter. And, and actually, the empty net thing is something I've talked about with a few of the guys that I kind of sit around up in the box when we're, we're typing away and, and being nerds. Um, I don't think we have scored an awful lot of empty netters at the end of games this season compared to what I remember in previous times. Um, maybe the, the league standard is tighter, we're, we're being pressed harder, whatever, but it was just a relief to see Dustin Johnner tear down and, and kill it off at 5-2 with 25 seconds left. Come out of the game with four out of six and, and on we go. What would you take on the Manchester Storm, Davey? It seemed that they had a fair chunk of chances. Well, if the two, for our first two goals are anything to go by, they were on. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Manchester are a bit of an enigma. They're not. A, I, I don't think they're a bad side, Paddy. I think they could still creep into the the playoffs. You know, I still think that that eighth spot could be there for them. But if they don't get into a war with a team, if they don't, if they don't get the physical side of their game going, I don't think they're as good a team. They're obviously built for the small ice. They're much much better on home ice than than they are on their travels. I, I don't have the stats to back out of actually. Um, I don't have like you. Me, so, you know, well, I, I could be completely wrong. They may be better. There's, there's plenty of 200 feet ice sheets in this. League, but, but, <laughs> oh, <for laughs> That's <laughs> tough. That's tough. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure I thought Joel might have had them to throw out there. But, you know. I still want to show you up, man. You're, you're having a mare there. But um, I, I, like, I like the storm. I like that type of hockey, but uh, it has to be kept within a... It's it's not as acceptable form of hockey as it once was. You know, guys can't go to work and go home hurt anymore. You know, you, you accept that there'll be hockey injuries, but the exit concussions and all can't happen. So guys can't go around doing that anymore. And you know, I think they have they have overstepped the line at times this season. That the you know they'll they'll look back on and think maybe that wasn't the cleverest thing to do. You know, says talks regularly about his um, thoughts on Lyndon Springer and and what he brings or doesn't bring to the game. But, you know, I, I quite like them as a team. They wouldn't go away on Sunday. I'll, I'll give them that. You know, they, they hung in there right to the end. You know, the last five minutes of the game sort of lost it. But, you know, at, this, at the same time, they only took one minor penalty. So, as I say, if, if you can if you can keep off them and don't get involved in the in the physical side of the game, I think that, you know, the quality of your hockey will, will beat the quality of their hockey. Joel? Yeah, the, the race at the bottom of that table is as exciting as the the top two um for, for the fans that are for the fans that are invested in it they are thanks a lot that's a, <laughs> that's a that's a chirp back for not having the stats tonight um the, if you look at the at that playoff line you know you've got the dundee stars sitting on 50 points right now the storm on 51 and then the blaze below dundee on 49 and the only difference is the games played you know dundee have the two games in hand on the storm which could end up being their their downfall um i don't know I, i've i've been critical of the Manchester Storm this season. Uh, I don't think that style of hockey brings an awful lot to the Elite League anymore whenever you look at the sort of continual rising standard elsewhere. Um, it's very much suited to that small ice sheet in Manchester. The Cardiff Devils used to employ that kind of hockey whenever they were in the big blue tent, which was essentially the same as Manchester's home barn, except you could cut through the walls with scissors. Um, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that era of Elite League hockey has moved on, and if they're going to find success, they're going to have to move on with it. 
The highlights of the game are from our good friends at Belfast Giants TV. You can get them at kingdomofthegiants.com where you can also get the game reports, the, the post-game interviews and all the photographs from, from William Cherry. Uh, and you get that kingdomofthegiants.com. Before we move on, we just say a big shout-out to our sponsors at beer52.com. They are the UK's number one beer subscription service. They will bring you eight delicious cans of beer that like this one I have next to me right now. And they uh, they will do that if you go to beer52.com forward slash AVFTV. And the first one is, first box is free. Uh, thanks very much to beer52.com and to all our sponsors, Total Performance Fitness, who get behind all the post-game interviews and the likes. And of course, Phonocab, who are behind the player of the month, which we seamlessly move into now. Because we put it out there to you guys, and the four and the four players that you nominated for the short list were put to the public vote. The results being Dustin Jonner came in fourth place, Darcy Murphy in third place, Tyler Beskarawani in second place, but with thirty nine percent of the vote, your player of the month for February. Well he jetted in earlier in the month and he's walked away with the view from the bridge. Player of the Month award sponsored by Funicab, and that is Jordan Smotherman. Um, Davy, I'll start with you because I know Joel already nailed his colours to the mast here. You go yeah. behind Dustin Jonner on this, but Smotherman, your thoughts? Well, you can see the chaos that happens when people go against what the people have decided. <laughs> um, so I will have to say that democracy reigns here. And Smoke, <laughs> like he played really, really well. He, he came in here freshly organised. He's gave everybody a bit of a lift. He, he played the first few weeks without his own stick, still did the business. And, you know, that little story that he told about just being in Amsterdam, seeing Paddy Dwyer, unfortunately, down hurt, and just, you know, being prepared to jump on an early flight, being prepared to land in Belfast a couple of hours before the game, go straight to the rink, never see your house, just go straight to the rink, get changed, get on the ice and do the business for the boys. And, uh you know, so for that we we have to thank him, and and he's done really really well this month. I like the month Dustin Johnner had. I like the January it had. It it tells you a lot about how the team's doing, how the team's performing. When you could have really picked any of the four, but you know, smoke comes out on top, and congratulations to him, and thanks to Funicab again. And uh, I'm not sure who presented it first, but um, we'll get a name, give them a wee name check, I'm sure, and get that picture up on Twitter ASAP. Absolutely, Joe. Yeah, I, I made no mistake about my support. When the, the Blair Riley successful one, I've moved on politically in my career, and, and I was a big smoke guy for this month. Uh, look, sometimes, uh, sorry, Davey, but sometimes the story and the and the backstory uh, contribute to a player's contribution, uh, I guess, more um, than than just numbers on ice. I do believe that Dustin Johnner is a deserving candidate. I, I think it would be right if he had his name on it before the end of the season. I know there's not an awful lot longer left, um, but he does deserve some sort of recognition. Uh, we we knew his potential, you know, uh, with a full healthy season, and my goodness, he's lived up to it. He's, he's lights out. He's an electric player to watch, but um, Jordan Smotherman, just as you've already described there, the, the nature in which he arrived, the fact that he had scored clutch goals. He also, I think, just gave the fan base a lift that somebody was willing to come in and do that and not only do that but actually contribute positively immediately and um, you know he had a, a fairly healthy kind of goal and point streak in, in his first few weeks so um, I, I think just a, a deserving winner and I think and maybe a nice nod and a nice acknowledgement of the sacrifice that he made to come here and to help us out. 
I have to congratulations to Jordan Smotherman who uh, received February's Player of the Month. Thanks to everybody who casted their vote, and of course, thank you to Phonacab for sponsoring that award around the league. Not very much to talk about. Um, Nottingham Panthers are up and down at the minute. They, they I was seeing a stat that they've only won in the last fourteen games away from home. They've only won two. Uh, one of those, uh, they did get a home win against the Five Flyers in overtime, having come off a loss uh, to the Milton Keynes Lightning the night before. But one thing to take from that, um, Joel, I'll start with you, is uh, the celebration by Risling, which was interesting because he steps out of his way to get right in Jordan Owen's face. Or, sorry, yeah, al- face. also pretty entertaining that a player who didn't uh, would have such a big selly. I can actually hear Don Cherry's tears from here, but um, Rizzling deserves to have the bark beaten out of him for that. That is not, that is <laughs> not Kevin, cool. I see Kevin Forshell, former former also <laughs> yes. coming out and saying that. Yes, he said that uh, he, would, he wouldn't care about the length of ban he would take if somebody did that in his face. 100%. What an absolute village move. And I just, I understand sometimes in the, in the heat of the moment, especially, uh, you know, if, if it's a big win or whatever, that you know that that miss can descend, and you can uh, you can sort of express your emotion. But uh, I I don't know the, the the sport has changed as we talked about earlier, and I hasten to, to add that I think maybe four or five six years ago, had he have done that, he would have had a few D men raining punches down on him, and rightly so. David, yeah, I concur. Copy you right, uh, <laughs> our, good, our good friend out in Toronto, Eric. Um, you know, you can't do that. You just can't do that. I think it's a bit much as well. It's like it's an overtime win over five in a in a season where you're absolutely tanking. I, it's okay. It's a it's a little maybe a kind of frustration, but come on, didn't even score it. Didn't even score. Just wanted to just wanted to give it to him. Um, I want to just have a quick word about Dundee. Um, of course, in the fight for uh, for that playoff spot, but uh, they announced. That uh, Chalupka and Sullivan would be returning to the lineup this weekend, Davy, which unfortunately meant that having scored goals and done such a great job at the back four, Dundee stars uh, Omar Pasha had to hang the skates up once again. Yeah, <laughs> sniper back on the bench. Um, he did a brilliant interview before the game in Manchester about having to go back on the bench. And yeah, look, it, it's it's interesting that he, he's keeping himself in good enough shape that he can jump on and off. He's still a young guy; he should yeah. still be playing. And uh, you know, but he has to. You have to I suppose wear one hat at this time. You can't be the Jackie Moon all the time. And uh, I'd, I'd like Dundee to get in there just for a pass, you know. And uh, interesting as well in that game against Manchester, mate, is that and we spoke about this last week in regards to Hackett, but Pontosorkin got um, five plus game. Uh, yeah, having it for uh, for a blocker punch. Be interesting to see what uh, comes out of Dobbs because that's well, nothing, uh, obviously. I don't think match, well, it's a match penalty, so is it just going to be the one game ban and move on? Well, he was given a five plus game for roughing. If it wasn't given as a like a, a blocker puncher, it wasn't given as a match penalty. So well, you know, I don't know how this this rule. That's that's one that I'll, I'll take up, not on behalf of anyone, not like in a Gamesley <laughs> RHI thing. You know, that's <laughs> more hero. I'll have a chat. I'll have a chat with Hexie and ask him <laughs> on Sunday why are are blogger punches just being deemed to be roughing calls when you know it's black and white. It's in the rule book. You hit somebody with a blocker to match penalty. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's two. That's two weeks in a row where we've had it. It hasn't been a match penalty. Now, of course, 
you know, it, it killed uh, Sorokin's game and, and Craig Holland came in for for what well, for most of the game. They it was yeah. it only happened after about ten minutes and then and, and Cheeto came in to 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 play what, forty forty seven minutes of that game. But yeah, it'd be interesting to know. Uh final bit of around the league isn't very isn't a great thing to talk about. But as many people who maybe follow on Twitter or whatever uh, likes know, I know the guy, the guys on the uh, four thousand and counting podcast have made a big thing of this as well. Is that former Milton Keynes Lightning forward and now Milton Keynes Thunder, or I guess now unfortunately former Milton Keynes Thunder forward Ross Bowers uh, sustained a serious eye injury during the final period of their home game on Sunday evening. He had emergency service. He had emergency surgery. But the devastating result is that he's lost the majority of his sight in the affected eye. He's been informed that even after three or four more surgeries, the best he can hope for in that eye would be able to tell if the light is on or off in the room. Now it's a, it's a terrible injury for anybody to take. You know, it's there's a there is a uh, a GoFundMe for him because it's having sight in only one eye after a lifetime of good vision. It's going to put his off ice career in serious jeopardy, and he certainly won't be able to work any time in the near future. Um, though it says you know it's, he's determined to get back to normal life. We uh, here at a view from the bridge. We do send out our best to to Ross and to his girlfriend Nicola and his daughter Ellie. It's it's a terrible, terrible injury for him to have sustained. And like I say, we'll we'll, we'll tweet up the the link to the GoFundMe page. I think it's gone past ten k now for him, which is fantastic. But um, but Joel, I'll start with you before I know me and Davy have spoken about this sort of thing before. So I'll come to you in a second, Davy. But Joel, um, it's devastating. Yeah, terrible, absolutely terrible. Someone. Uh... So beloved and, and the sort of wider hockey community, obviously played for the Lightning them to a couple of um, EPIHL, it would have been titles, um, and, and was still playing his trade. Uh, just, it's the type of injury that's a, a freak accident. I also feel for whoever did it. Um, you know, it obviously it, it says it's an accidental high stick. I don't think there was malice or intent there, uh, and sometimes that's just the, the way it happens. Um, just a really terrible situation all in all, and I think it's it's important not to <clears throat> excuse me underestimate just how devastating an injury that could be. You know, um, you know, fair enough. On one hand, he hasn't gone completely blind, uh, but but. I mean, the, from what I understand, the hand-eye coordination, the amount of work that you need to do to sort of normalize that as, as your new normal, I guess, um, is, is massive. And, and it alters, you know, your ability to play sport, your ability to do physical things, your ability to work. Um, I can't really say much more uh, other than, than just we, you know, join with you guys, send our wishes to him and the family. And, and if anybody does have, uh, you know, the, the cost of a pint, if you think you'd buy him a pint after uh, something like that, then why not throw it into the GoFundMe and, and help the family out? Um, you know, I, I'm not a hashtag hockey family guy, but I do think that there's a a, a tremendous sense of hum- community uh, throughout the UK of, of all these kind of people that like the same sport and, and sort of if our colours weren't different on the jersey, we'd all be friends, you know, and, and I think we come together whenever we realise that some things are bigger than the sport. So um, and we've already seen it today and, and I just hope that that tremendous support continues and just really unfortunate situation all in all. Davey, I know it's it's a debate we've had. It's probably not a debate for today in, in the light of what's happening, but it is a debate we've had in the past in regards to face cages and, and protection for the face and the eyes and the nose and the mouth. And unfortunately, because the game is where it is, we have unfortunate accidents like this, and it's it's devastating for, for Ross and his family. I, yeah, got to send out your, your absolute best, best wishes to him. We will do something on A View from the Bridge. Me and Simon will produce a shirt from somewhere and we'll, we'll get that auctioned off or 
or raffled off might produce a, a better score for him and, and we'll get some quid quids put into that um yeah. that GoFundMe definitely from a view from the bridge. So watch this space on that. On the on the you know, on the injury itself. We'll we'll talk about it on another day because it's something that I, I I always heart back to. But for a quarter of an inch, we're talking about Colin Shields here. Yeah. yeah. Now right. we're talking about that's another right. guy with the same kind of injury just a, a short few months later. Now there's been a lot of hockey played obviously between that. These these are freak accidents. Um and as Joel says, I, I wouldn't like the the you know, I wouldn't like to have been the guy that did it either because I'm sure he's feeling absolutely dreadful about it. You know, I, I often see some people putting on their Twitters, what was the best standard of hockey you've seen at the SSE Arena in the last 12 months? Could yeah. you argue that it was at the Friendship 4 weekend? Full bird cages. You've got these guys coming in here, NHL ready. Some of them go straight from college into the show. They are NHL ready players wearing full face cages. I, I understand players... I don't know whether it's a bravado thing. I don't know why we, after, you know, we protect our balls, we protect our, you know, our elbows, we protect our, you know, our teeth, but we don't protect our eyes particularly well. A visor does not protect protect your eyes particularly well. It doesn't give you that, you know, comfort blanket that a cup does to your, to your junk. So, you know, I think... And I said this, Mace, when Mace hurt himself just a number of seasons ago, remember he took a face as well. Um, and he said he, he wanted to get the, the face mask off. Theo ended the season playing with a, a full shield on. You know, it happens from time to time. Guys guys get hurt and they have to wear the face mask. I don't think it'll affect the standard of hockey enough to justify it not being on. Um, I think as guys come up through the ranks and they, they've learned their trade wearing it, I think that it'll be eventually it'll just be a part of the kit. You know, I, I don't understand why we protect our youths as they come up and they they will have to wear all the kit going. And as soon as you're old enough, you take it off. It doesn't make sense to me. I thought it was an interesting comment that I picked up on during the Sheffield Steelers game and the comedy from JJ Fernley as he made it said the fact that you know Kieran Brown basically turned eighteen last <clears throat> Thursday Friday. Well, I think he turned out last or Wednesday, Thursday, and that game was the first game he had without a cage, straight away. Did he? Did he, he play better? Didn't I? Don't know. Don't think so. Well, they won the game. But it was the fact that straight away that you know I've turned eighteen, this face cage goes in the bin. Um. So yeah. so I I I wonder of not peer pressure in any way, but conforming to yeah. You know, why would you wear a face cage? You know, because it's a choice too. Yep. You know, if you want to wear one, you can wear one. Who's going to say anything to you? And and we're at a stage now where people don't take their buckets off to fight anymore. People don't want to really fight anymore. You know, we'll, we'll talk to Kevin and Rain, and, you know, he was pretty clear about it as well. Uh, you know, I, I, I've i said this on the podcast a lot of times over the last whatever we've been doing a party. It seems like forever, <laughs> 10 years, <laughs> what, whatever. But, you know, I work in construction. We mitigate everything yep. that we can. Point of risk, point of you know, work risk assessments and all. You do risk assessments in, in your work as well. Yep. It's unacceptable for people to go to work and get hurt. Mm-hmm. Now you mitigate in construction by wearing and you know steel toe cap boots and gloves and safety goggles, all this kind of thing. And you mitigate in hockey 
because you wear padded shorts and you wear elbow pads and you wear a helmet and, you know, gum shield and cup and shin pads and steel toe cap boots and you know, all these things, you know, you mitigate as best you can to avoid injury. But these are injuries that happen time and time again because the safety equipment that they wear around the eyes isn't good enough for the job. It's clearly not good enough for the job. Right. So I think it's something, it's a it's a debate for a different day yeah. and it's something I could talk about because it's something I'm passionate about in my own industry because I don't I wouldn't want anybody that I work with not going home or going home hurt because it could have been avoided. And if these injuries can be avoided by wearing PPE as it is in construction, but you know, a, a better helmet well, then it should be done. It shouldn't even be really be a discussion. Well, they're okay. they're talking about the, the 10, 10 rule changes that they're trying to bring in in the NHL. Uh, I've I seen a brilliant thing there today about 10 things Gary Bettman's trying to change, one of them being swearing. You know, he wants to take swearing out of the game. Good luck with that. But I'd be <laughs> rather I'd, I'd rather everyone went home with their eye attack than a, a few, you know, blue things were through. It's, it's perspective we'll have to get in here. I, I think it's something that will happen and it's a debate I'd love to have with guys down the road again. We do, Sam. You know, I, I agree with everything you, you say there. I, mean, I, know I worked in safety engineering and uh, you know the, the last thing, the last line of defence is always PPA. You do so much before you even yeah. consider putting anybody in risk and then you then you talk about your PPA when you've got no other option. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a debate we can have and we'll have for another day. Um, but we do send our best to Ross's family and all involved. And, uh, yep, we'll, we'll, we'll try to do something to try to benefit him and we'll stick up that GoFundMe link and stuff on a view from the bridge. And as, uh, uh as Joel said, if you, if you've got the price of a pint to buy the ladders, just throw it under the GoFundMe and, uh, get behind it. You know, I, I agree with you, Joel. I'm not big into the whole hockey family thing, but you know, there's, there's, there are things that are things that you just have to, you have to be part of and you, you have to, yeah. to give your back into. So best wishes to him. This is Adam Keith, and you listen to the best podcast in the Elite League, A View from the Bridge. Time for the final agenda, brought to you by our good friends at Belfast Giants TV. This week, a man who's been on a rich vein of form in defence, but most of the questions seem to be about his hair. Um, how you doing, Kevin Ryan? <laughs> not too bad. How are you? Not too bad. We have a lot of questions about your hair. I'll get to that. But let's reflect on the uh, where the Giants are at the minute. Um, between five last week, Sheffield game, and then a bit of redemption on on Sunday. Maybe the the, the Steelers game just was we weren't at the races, but uh, but the Sunday night game was much better. Right. Yeah, we were able to to turn it around next night and at home against uh, the Storm and be able to get the win. Obviously, not the result we want in Sheffield, but uh, you know. It's a funny game, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And they brought a better performance than than we brought that night, and they came out with the win. What's the attitude like in the uh, in the room at the minute, mate? You know, obviously it's a it's a nip and tuck uh, battle against the the Cardiff Devils. We don't face them again, so it's really just playing catch up and trying to keep our nerve and, and keep at them, I guess. Right? Yeah, it's very positive in the room. Uh, we know that uh, we just have to bring our best every day, and so we've had a couple of days off since, and so we're hitting the ice uh, again tomorrow morning. But, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone will come in refreshed and, and ready to rock. So, um, But uh, I think I, I spoke to Joel after the game. And we were talking about win percentages and other things like this. But, you know, we were on like a four-game win streak prior to that loss in Sheffield. And so 
just because of the situation we're in, the right race we're in, um, it's just there's no room for error, and so we have to be our best every day, every night. Hi, Rainer, Joel here. Yeah, very much so. And I think the, the the attitude from yourself just even after the weekend and the general attitude down in the locker room seems to be the same. You know, the guys are taking it one game at a time and there's still that kind of quiet confidence there. Um, but we already spoke about that at the weekend. So uh, I, w- I went and did some digging whenever I knew you were coming on the show. Um, and I looked at your elite prospects first. And then I looked at oh, your God, hometown. No, don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> all right, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But first of all, uh, you're from the town of Dryden, Ontario. So yes. I look, I looked this up. The second largest city in the Kenora District of Northwestern Ontario, and its population. Now, this is the second largest city population seven thousand. Yeah, population 7,749. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a town called Larn Rainer, but I'm from a pretty small town myself, and it takes a lot of flack. What was it like growing up in, in kind of a small-town Canada? Um, how much of a, a role did hockey play in your life growing up? Is it everything out there? Just paint a picture for people that have never been out there. Well, I mean, I think in terms of the hockey world, it's very isolated. Um, so, I mean, of course, if I was a Toronto-based player or Southern Ontario kid, I'd be more exposed to, you know, they'd say like uh, I'd probably go catch a Toronto Maple Leafs game or go catch a Montreal Canadiens game at some point or, or uh, uh, watch a major junior game of any kind. But just being like where I'm from, uh, the the closest uh, NHL game was, I think it was like eight hours away, and that's the uh, Minnesota Wild. That was actually the first NHL game I ever watched. But uh, now that the Jets are there, that's everybody's hometown team now. That's about three and a half hours away in Winnipeg. But, nice. uh, yeah, it was just a lot of outdoor rinks. Like I, I uh, grew up on a lake, and so we'd shovel it off and, and get out there. And uh, my uh, my family didn't have much of a hockey background, and so our rink was, was pretty sweet, but it was pretty minimal. But then uh, a couple uh, kids moved in next door, and their dad was hockey background. And so next thing you know, they put up a rink, and they, they got the boards, they got the lights, they got a nice stack, <laughs> they got a fire going in there. And so now there's people to skate with, and so our uh, our rink slowly uh, uh, turned to snow covered yet again, and we were just next door all the time. <laughs> but but so I uh, have a lot of fond memories of uh, playing with both Kevin and Sean Degonye, who were I think two years and four years older than I. Yeah. And so they were able to teach me a few things, both hockey and non hockey related. Uh, at that age that mom and dad may or may not have been happy about at the time but uh so uh but uh yeah my childhood idol was uh chris pronger he's i think he was, I was the first uh i sorry i was the first uh player to play in the ohl since he had and then i think if you look that up that'd be another elite prospects search but he did that probably 20 years before i did but uh, yeah, it's just uh, a lot of outdoor hockey, a lot of mini sticks, a lot of uh, you know just playing with your friends. That was really all it was about, really, up until moving away. Yeah, I actually I, I noticed that earlier. Uh, not only Dryden produced Kevin Ryan, but it also has produced Chris Pronger. His brother played in the show as well, didn't he? Right, um, Sean he, he, he was from there as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I guess you sort of referred to it there. What did you do growing up? Whenever you weren't playing hockey, what was there to do in Dryden in a small town uh, apart from? get in trouble i guess <laughs> yeah i was always uh you know either on my bike or i went through a skater phase i uh i can bust a kickflip now and again but uh, <laughs> that uh that slowly uh came and went but uh no as hockey was a very seasonal thing there and that's another thing versus say if i was a toronto kid like these kids are 
are in skating school, shooting school, power skating, you know, like they're, they're doing it all. And they're one-on-one private sessions and all this stuff where we just played. And if there was no snow, well, then we were playing baseball or we were playing soccer or we were, like I said, skating around or biking around causing ruckus, but, um, very, uh, very small, you know, you could make your way either side of town on your bike within, you know, the hour or whatever and get lost. Of course, no cell phones back then. So you didn't eat. Just kidding. It was cold. (laughs) Rainer, let's, let's bring it back to Belfast. Obviously, you know, played for sort of 50, 60 games last season, got the opportunity to go over to mainland Europe. Things just didn't quite work out there. And the opportunity, obviously then, Kiefer had been keeping in touch and the opportunity, easy decision for him, he said, to, to try and get you back to Belfast. It was an easy enough decision for you. And has, has it been? I think you came back in just right at the start of our long sort of road stretch, which might have helped you, you know, without having to jump right back in the SSE action. Was it an easy enough decision to come back to Belfast? And have you, has it been everything you hoped it was going to be again? Absolutely, yeah. I kind of found myself in a position where uh, I had uh, a major decision to make, whether it was to continue um, playing where I could, and Belfast was uh, in a situation where they were open arms, and so fortunately enough, I was able to do that. But um, of course, when that happens, I mean, rosters rosters are already set at like that time of year, what I mean. And so um, I think I got here October 16th. And it's still hilarious, by the way. It's uh, everybody's. How, how are you liking me back? It's so good to have you back. I'm like, I've been here a long time already, but um, no. So like, easy transition back, and, and Kiefer's been great and great uh, to come back into the SSC, like you said. But I think it was a, a full month I was with the club before where we even played a home game, and then we played in the uh, first round of the Continental Cup. And so I was able to make my return as, lo- as well as uh, Sebastian Sylvester with uh, Zagreb there. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been an awesome uh, second campaign with the club, and we've set ourselves up uh, nice for another big season, title defense, and so it's uh, it's been great. Before I ask a couple of questions from Twitter, um, yourself, uh, John Fernand, and Kyle Bond all have your name etched on the Calder Cup. What's your memories of lifting that trophy? Um, it, was, uh, it was quite an experience. I did it with some great players. Um, the The whole team that year was, was incredible, which is why uh, I myself didn't get to see much action during the playoffs. But uh, I got my games in, and I was along, along for the ride, so to speak. But uh, my uh, my greatest memories of, uh, of that was being able to bring that home and uh, enjoy it with my friends and family. Uh, of course, where Dryden is and how inconveniently it's placed, the the way they do that with the cup is that everybody's uh, FedExing it to each other or mailing it to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and so, That's so there, uh, there was a schedule that came out and the rules were that, uh, okay, guys, you know, yeah, whoever wants, uh, wants the cup for, uh, you know, a couple of days or a weekend or however it ends up, uh, who wants it? Who doesn't? And surprisingly, there was guys that that you know didn't want to spend their time with it, which I thought was strange. But mm-hmm. so anyway, um, the schedule was set. But then I kind of went to the GM and I was like, "Look, like I don't even really spend my summers at home. I go back for a short visit and then I go down to London, Ontario, where I played uh, junior hockey. And so I'd like to have it, but if I can't have it at home." Um, 
then I, I'm not sure I want to bring it to London. I just don't think uh, uh, I could put on, you know, the party that I could at home or whatever, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, so fortunately enough, they were able to accommodate that. I told them like when I was going to be at home and then it just turned out that I was the last one of everyone to get it. And so it was pretty funny because I uh, made a trip home from London to Dryden and uh, upon arrival of the cup, got a message from our, our GM, Hebe McDonough. And he said, all right, Rainer, like you're the last one to get it. So you just got to make sure you have it back to, to this address by, and I, it was something like six or seven weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> so so all 7,000 like, people have touched the cup is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and so I actually did have a, a, an entire week with this thing. And um, we did everything from socials to um, like uh, events at Domino's Pizza. I think there was like a, a Rainer <laughs> special going on. And I, was in there cook, I was cooking pizzas and stuff. It was pretty cool. There was a hockey school going on at the time. And uh, the, the last game of the, the tournament was for the cup. And I hoisted it in my yeah. own home arena. It was it was awesome. It was, it was best best time ever. So, Fab. so yeah, definitely some great memories of that. Uh, looking at Twitter, a couple of ones. One, Rosie Auckland. Uh, you have always been known in Teal as the guy who has his teammates back on and off the ice. Over your career, have there been any specific guys who have done that for you? She also adds, "Thank you for coming back." Um, definitely. I mean, I think at all at all levels, there's there's always that guy that might play that role. I. I kind of hesitate when people you know say oh you're like you're an enforcer I'm like whoa 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 like I'm not an enforcer like I kind of like my teeth the way they are I like to keep them in line <laughs> but uh there's definitely guys that, that take on that role and there's guys that'll answer the bell no matter what and and stuff like that and so I mean as far back as junior uh Kyle Flemington um, oh, yeah. Brian Shaw um Josh Gratton, I, I won a Calder Cup with. He was with Glasgow for a short time at the beginning of this season. Uh, he was in uh, Manchester. And then just trying to think, go team by team. Except for a long while there, that's year by year for me. So, But yeah, there's, uh, I mean, I think, uh, I think there's a time where everyone kind of finds their spot to do that. But there's definitely guys that, that really take pride in it and will do it every time. So, of course, like a Jim Vandermeer, I think, would be our guy. Um, and so uh, it was funny because uh, when he had his thousandth game presentation at the SSE, all the videos were him fighting. And yeah. we're sitting there going like, man, that's not the Jimbo I know. Like, can, you, can you show a goal of this guy? Like, he does that too sometimes, man. Like watching a montage video of him caving people's heads in. But it was interesting because he had that interview earlier this week with the, uh, the guys at the Puck Soup podcast. And I listened to that. And all they seemed to want to talk about was, you know, you, that that was how he got himself into the show. That's how he uh, found his way. And it, like you say, it's 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 not the player that we know here. No, no, absolutely not. I, I mean, but of course, when he when he does get to dance, and yeah. you know, he, he can sure dance. But I mean, I think with what we know now about you know concussions and all that, and I, I think it's something that guys are trying to shy away from and not put themselves into danger. I know myself, like if I was to get crushed, like there's been times where I've got hit and it looked bad, but I spring up and I'm grabbing my own player who's trying to go after the guy. And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I, you know, I'm in, I put myself in a bad spot. 
you know, I'm a bit of an idiot for turning my back or whatever, but I'm good. I'm good. You mentioned uh, Cal Flemington there as well. Two seasons with Edinburgh, I think. Yeah, I think he was here the year right before I was. I was actually uh, in contact with him, just asking questions about you know his experience coming over here and stuff like that. And he was a big help in leading me directly here. So, Aaron Coulter asks any good stories about playing with Paul Bissonnette. Oh, See, it's a good thing. It's a good thing I was doing my homework before getting on the podcast here, so that I could come up with an appropriate one. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, my first year uh, playing with Biz, I was in. I played with him my first year in Manchester, and then when the team went out to Ontario, he was there again. So I've played with him for two seasons, and he's he's hilarious. He's he loves telling a story, and he's always the center of attention. But uh, as a player, he uh, he's had he made made quite a career for himself. He did well in the East Coast Hockey League. You'll if you listen to his podcast, he'll talk about the the two-time ECHL All-Star that he is, or yada, yada. <laughs> but but the interesting part about him as an ECHL, or ECHL All-Star is he was a defenseman at the time before transitioning to forward. And so by the time I played with him, he'd been a forward, uh, also an enforcer. I guess I should have mentioned him. Um, he was definitely the guy doing that when I played with him. Uh, he was a forward for six years by the time I had played with him. And so... Of course, even here we we find ourselves in situations where we're down bodies, and you got Gary, who's normally a forward playing D, and you got guys all over the place. But uh, I look at the board, and I see I was wearing thirty three at the time. I see thirty three on right D, and I see fifteen on my left, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so Biz is my D partner this game, and Biz, like, God love him, but he's he's definitely the guy that at the time. A mistake is never his fault, but then after the game, he'll go, "Yeah, yeah, I messed up." <laughs> so, so we're we're out there, and um, I think I, I gave him like a D to D pass, and so I gave him a D to D, and then he went up the boards, and I came low to hinge below him in support, and so I went D to D, and then he went to go back to me, but he put it so far on my left side. I'm a right-handed defenseman. I reached with one hand back I still couldn't reach this puck so he just totally missed me dumped it in our own end I had to go retrieve his dump in he gets back to the bench and he goes Rainer man like you gotta support me there <laughs> like, I, I don't know what what else I can do here I'm uh, but then after the game sure enough I was like yeah man like that play that he's like yeah I know I've been playing forward a little too long I think <laughs> <laughs> Biz also uh, claimed to be an EIHL all-star here during the lockout with Cardiff, but that's not how I remember it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's quick he to was, claim that he, uh, he all-star was, he status. Was good, but he, he yeah, was good, he, but he didn't play long enough. <laughs> yeah, I was an all-star in that league. That's a quote for a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, yeah, what a, what a guy. Uh, I guess you know it's, uh, th- those kind of old stories, Renner. Right? I, I love that stuff. And you also had you know, you know you had a long run in the AHL, um, a, a league notorious for kind of road trips, long bus rides, all that kind of stuff. Whenever you look back um, at all of those hours spent traveling, is there a particular road story that sticks out in your head, or is there a time when you thought, "Man, this is crazy. What am I doing with with my life?" What, what uh, sticks out? What sticks out with all of those kind of all the time that no fans ever get to see. Uh, what are some stories or some memories of those? Yeah, not at the minute. I mean, when I when I think back to, like, I mean, and that's the biggest reason guys 
come to Europe because, you know, you're in the American League, you're on the bus. Like, some teams have it way worse than others. I, I just remember, you know, like, we'd be playing three and threes, and we'd get home at, like, three in the morning after, like, a, a junk weekend, and we're just getting off this bus going, like, man, can you believe this guy might, like, still, like, run practice tomorrow? And, and you know, just based <laughs> on how the weekend went, you don't know, like, if you're getting the day of rest or if he's grumpy and he wants to make a statement and he says, yeah, you know, like, we're going to practice today, guys. It's like, well, what you want to want me to just take a nap at the rink after the bus unloads? Or, <laughs> or can I go home? Is that allowed? So I think in terms of, especially my first year, uh, all, all our road trips were really close. And so you didn't get the overnighters. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, of travel, um, I can't really come up with a good memory. I just think of time on the bus. That, that <laughs> I think that, that probably says it all. Yeah. <laughs> that, probably, that probably says it all about just long, long hours that nobody ever gets to see. It's uh, it's not always glamorous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I got a couple that are popping in my head. I just I don't know if they're appropriate enough to tell <laughs> they're, all. They're for a view from the bridge late at night, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely catch you at the rink and let you know what I'm, what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'll tie, tie a string on my finger and say, hey, you stop for your second. <laughs> I go back to Twitter for a question. Let me just flick through see here. We've got uh, Jeremy. Who would you pick to play in the all-time first line and goalie with yourself? So, so I was looking at that one, and I was thinking, like, is that, like, all-time my career or yeah. all-time? I think you just make of that what you want, man. Yeah. Biz is in there. <laughs> Biz, no, Biz is, is not there. He, is, he, might, he might be in the stands. I'll put him in the stands to you know, wave at us over the glass or something. Um, I don't even know. Am I allowed to put myself in it? Of course, yeah. That's, oh, it's so it's yeah, your team. I'm, I'm on the right side. Let's see. I'm thinking of previous D partners. Um, Zach Camras I played with in Florida. Um, between the pipes. Michael Hauser played with in uh, both London and uh, Ontario and forwards. We'll put Sly on there. Mm-hmm. Put Sly in the mix there. Um, let's pick somebody current. Darcy Murphy. Yeah, tell me said of Murph. Easy, easy. Who am, I mi- who am I missing? I'm missing Centerman? Yes. Uh, um... Can I pick an NHLer? Of course you can. Anze Kopitar. Team, you can do what you want. Anze, Who? Anze Kopitar. There we go. Yeah. That's it. Do, do a decent turn in the uh, elite league. That uh, you've done. <laughs> you've, you've done. You've done. You've, you've already done your research looking at one Twitter questions. So you see the amount of questions that are basically like, not a question, but tell Kevin he's my favorite. That's like <laughs> really good. But the last one will go to Paddy Sloan. Who's your favorite opponent to come up against in the elite league? I, I I read that one and I was like, man, I hope they just avoid that one. I don't know. <laughs> um, Pick the right one. I'm not sure. I, I I'd like to think I do my homework on everybody coming down on me on the right side there. I either have to block a shot or just let them go around me. But um, that uh, who's uh, who's the guy in Guilford there? The D man. That Cali Ackred, uh, the owner of the second best salad in the league. Yes, exactly. Which is why I can call him the toughest opponent, so that we, we <laughs> each get a one in in each column. There. That works. Uh, That's fair. But yeah, he's uh, 
he can fire a puck. I don't know if you guys noticed that one game I took one right in the head, but fortunately yeah. it hit my shoulder first. But that's a that's a funny clip. Yeah. Um, right, Rainer. Before we uh, before we let you go, we've got to uh, do this, this quick fire round from Jasmine Kitchen. Says his okay. little daughter sends yeah. sends men. So just think whatever comes to your head. What do you put on your chips? On my on my like fries, ketchup. Yeah. Yep. What's your favorite karaoke song? What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, Purple Rain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which, which emoji do you use the most? Uh, the uh, the like smiley face with like the X eyes, you know, like the like the laughing but like silent laugh almost. <laughs> X can you X D? <laughs> uh, wow, that's that's a throwback. That's one for the MySpace yeah. kids. <laughs> can. Can you touch your nose with your tongue? No, no. Did you just try? No, I. That wasn't quick enough to be able to try. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to get ketchup from my chips off my nose before. I couldn't do it. So What's your weirdest quirk? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. Probably wouldn't tell what, you anyway. What, what's your favorite joke? Any joke I tell. Yeah. Who was? Oh, there's two more. Who was the last person you sent a text to? Uh, my girlfriend. And what has the, been the most surprisingly nice thing about Belfast? Uh, surprising nice thing. Can't say I'm surprised anymore because I've been here long enough to to know what to expect. It's. I think I'm. I guess I'm trying to recall, like when people come to visit, things that they notice that I'm like, oh yeah, yeah right kind of thing. Um, no, I, I think the place is great. I think it's no secret, uh, where, where the boys like to go after a long, uh, weekend of games at home. Herper. Uh, Herper. <laughs> the what? <laughs> Herper. <laughs> I mean, isn't the, that, that place among, among the, the many great places in the city is just so incredible to me. I, I, the, the fact that you can go there or anywhere on any given night and I, I, I Thinking, I, I've never seen a fight downtown. I've never seen an altercation. I've never seen anything <laughs> go bad. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm lucky. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just uh, you know, it, I was sitting there with a buddy of mine who uh, was passing through town. And he's sitting there and he's just looking around and it was just you, you know, and you kind of just catch a friend look like just with a, a stupid smile on their face for no real reason. He just looks and he goes, "Man." I love this place. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and that, that, that's, that's what we're looking that's, for. That's just it right there. You know what I mean? So, Well, um, do you know what? Usually we finish with those quick fires. Just about to wrap it up. I'm just having one last flick through Twitter. I can't let it pass. I can't. All right. Matty Carlton says, can you explain why you're in that country music video? Yes. 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 Here's a story, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, his name's Alex Swarick. Uh, he... Uh, is like a uh, he's into like cinematography and stuff he's from london and he had a business based in london but he's actually uh picked up and moved his operation to like la um and so like every time i look at this guy's story i'm just blown away at like what he's doing now and he was uh filming steph curry for some you know whether it was an under armor commercial or what but he's doing like the behind the scenes of him like filming steph curry with a basketball i was like whoa but so backtrack, I think that was like 2014 or something like that. Um, 
one of the guys I actually mentioned, uh, Brian Shaw, mm-hmm. um, I played with in St. Thomas when I was 17 years old. Uh, his now wife, Genevieve Fisher, the artist in the video, um, was like kind of up and coming, still kind of is. She's, uh, she's kind of like big in Canada or, or whatever, so to speak. She does like music festivals, uh, Boots and Hearts, anybody that's ever heard of that. Um, but so basically this friend of mine, Alex, uh, wanted to get on the ice cause he previously played hockey. He's like, man, like would love to like shoot you on the ice. Like I got some cool ideas. Like it would be cool just to get together. I'm like, yeah, for sure. For sure. And so I was in touch with him asking like, Hey man, like you want to make this happen? Like I'm about to go away soon here, like to play. And he's like, Oh no, but, but uh, you know, it's too bad. But then I think it was like a day later. He's like, Hey, like maybe not get on the ice, but I think I might have some, like, if you're interested, I was like, well, what is it? And so he told me like, you know, officer Brian's wife is wanting to shoot a music video. She needs somebody. I was like, All right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but so it was like a day of shooting. And then the, the fast forward to when the, the video actually came out, I'm in Ontario and this thing comes out and I see it and I'm like, Oh no, like, what am I going to do now? Like, I, I, I almost like accepted it and like did it just totally forgetting that it was going to be seen by like everyone that shared. It. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, I, I'm talking to my buddy. I go, man, like, look at this. And I couldn't even look at him while he was watching it. He's just dying laughing. He says, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And so I was faced with the decision of letting him like take that around, parading it around, or I could own it and he got it, it on it. He got it on and, it. And and so I just posted it. I just threw it out there. And by the time I got to the rink the next day, everyone had seen it. But it was they were just like confused. I didn't even get chirped for it. They were just so confused. They're like, like the worst comment I got was like, so like you like applied for that? Or like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, no. And so, of course, I gotta like describe this spider web of network that like led to oh, eventually my. doing that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. It was it was really cool wow. experience. It was a, a you know a full day. I couldn't believe how much work went into this like three minute thing. And uh, of course, like getting everything from different angles, but you can only film one angle at a time. So you just got to keep doing things over and over. It was, yeah, it was, it was quality. The, it uh, was a one-time thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to Mally for asking questions. Thanks to everybody for sending in your questions on Twitter and the likes. Uh, Rainer, one last thing, big weekend ahead, not just this game on Friday against Glasgow. Well, of course, every league game is important at this moment, but, You've a, you've a chance personally and a few other guys, but the Giants have a chance as a whole to go back to back Challenge Cup champions in a in a what's going to be a battle against Guildford on Sunday. Absolutely, and so I mean it's interesting because both games are equally as big. It's just that the second game we get to celebrate, yeah, uh, much much more than you know maybe just uh, you know a couple win songs in the room for after the first one. But hopefully the second one we can defend and. Yeah, that's uh, uh, of course a great memory from last year, and to be able to duplicate that and go back to back and be able to fly into Belfast City, and I mean, it, was, it felt like a parade walking through the airport at Belfast City last year. Yeah, it was just just enough room to get by people on either side. Like the support here is just so incredible, and so uh, it'd be interesting to see what that building looks like. 
just given the fact that Cardiff isn't playing and it's basically two away teams, but there's no doubt that uh, the Belfast fans are going to outnumber the Guildford fans, even though their travel is much harder. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. Listen, good luck, good luck across the weekend. Thanks for joining us, man. Awesome, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Rainer. Right, let's look ahead. It's a big weekend for the Belfast Giants, and you've got two games, as we mentioned there, that are equally as important as each other. And as Rainer just said, only one of them has, a, I guess, a, a bigger celebration than the other at the end of it. But we'll start, you know, we've got the game against the clan on Friday night, 7 p.m. at the SSE Arena in league competition before a day off. And then the Belfast Giants attempt to go back-to-back with Challenge Cup Championships over at the Viola Arena or Ice Arena Wales, call it what you will, at 4 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, Joel, I'll start with you. It's a big, you know, you can only go, you you talk to the guys, you only want to look one game ahead. Now, that's grand. We can talk about the clan game, you can look at the clan game, but one eye is always going to be on Sunday's game as well. Yeah, look, uh, I'm I'm not, I'm trying not to be cynical, right? But I can't help sometimes to look at the worst case possible scenario. And I don't believe that this is going to be the case. And, and don't shoot at me for that. But what I am saying is that the worst possible scenario for this team is that you have a fantastic squad, a really exciting full season with so many games, and that you come so close to every piece of silverware and the domino falls just before you get your hand on it. And I guess if I'm soul-searching, that's what my current anxiety is. I just want us to do the business because I know that we are good enough and that this team deserves silverware. And we are one game away from punching that ticket and having another banner in the rafters. And that, to me, is a successful season. Obviously, the big one for me is the league. I think the big one for you guys will be the league too. The playoffs are down the line as well. I think that we're a clutch team and that we have a shout, actually, for playoffs this year. And, and it's a feeling that I've had, for the, I have now for the first time probably in a few years. I think we can do the business on that weekend. But it's just, it's it's on, on another hand, it's, it's silly to look past the clan game because of the meaning that it has. But that one game in Cardiff, it just means that we can take a little bit of a breath as fans and know that this team has realized their potential because they deserve to do so. Um, but with that said, I tried to question Adam Keefe post-game on Sunday there um, about the final coming up and if you can switch gears, is it easy to do that? And you know, and rightfully so, he said, look, uh, clan first and that's going to be a war. I'm expecting an absolute war. They've gone toe-to-toe with us all season and, and it's been physical and it's been high intensity um, so look I understand that and, and there's still uh, a chance uh, you know it's, it's technically out of our hands the, the league title right now but my goodness we are pushing them to the very death and, and, I, and I hope that we keep the boot on the throat right to the last game and just see what happens so um, I think what I'm trying to say is I'm really anxious <laughs> I think we all are it's interesting you say that Divi you know the clan the last time the, the last time we faced them they took because the, the league title ahead of the games against the Cardiff Devils it was in our hands, it was the clan with a 5-0 thumping in Brayhead that took it out of our hands and it's that 5-0 thumping that is initially going to be in the back of the heads going into this game Yeah because we'd put them away the night before and, yep. and on our that. rink and I think <sighs> I wouldn't like to think there was an element of complacency in it but you know with one hand off the night before Gone there, and we've got our absolute butts handed to us. And you know, we'll want to we'll want to write that wrong. It's on home ice, of course. We'll want to go off to Cardiff with a with a you know a good positive performance as well. And you know, it it'll be very very difficult 
very, very difficult just in, in a human element to not have one eye on Sunday to try and conserve energy to to make sure that you've played well enough to, to deserve your 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 you know, your time on ice and you know everybody will be chomping at the bit to make sure they're ready for Sunday. Nobody will want to risk injury on on Friday either. You know it's 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 so hard, but we just have to go flat to the mat on Friday and make sure we take the two points because we're right in the hunt in the league. We're sixty eight games down. There's only there's potentially fourteen games left, including the playoffs. If you if you go if you go to finals weekend, you know you have fourteen games left. And some of these guys won't get the opportunity to play until again after the end of the season. There'll be guys that retire. There'll be guys that move on to better teams. There'll be guys that move on to worse teams. But, you know, I, I, it can't emphasize enough how big this weekend is. And then, you know, the following weekend, you've got Coventry twice. And then, you know, it's just nonstop. We've got like three or four weeks left here. We could win a lot. We could win nothing. And as Joel has said, this team deserves. This team deserves to, to write themselves into you know a page of giant history with silverware. Mm-hmm. How dangerous are Guildford, Davy? Now oh, I say I say, I say that from the point of view as well, from a giant's perspective, because arguably twelve months ago we went in the ice arena of Wales as underdogs, and arguably we don't go in there as underdogs this time. Guildford have great goaltending and they're 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 stacked with their their sort of top D and their top you know forward line. They're fantastic on special teams, especially power play, especially with the extra man. They're an exceptional team. Where I would believe we have the edge on them is a bit more depth. If we get scoring from our our second and third lines, if you want that, you know, would be really well set. We're good on the penalty kill. We've got great goaltending. We're good with the extra man, and I think we've got a little bit more depth on them. But take underestimate them at your peril, because you underestimate them. Look at be straightforward as that. There's a lot, Joel, over the last week, last few days, looking back to what happened twelve months ago, trying to reignite the the feeling of happened then. You know that 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 is great, but there's a job to do. There absolutely is. Uh, we can't assume that this is our banger. You can't say that this is the trophy that we'll tuck in the back pocket. And that's, I think, why I'm so anxious. You know, Guildford have punished us this season. They're, they are a good team, as Davey says. Um, I've been having nightmares about Cali Akrid. You know, for my money, he's the best power play uh, performer in this league. Um, one of the best offensive D-men in the league. Uh, and if we grip the stick too tight because of the sense of occasion, because of the Continental Cup, and we take silly penalties and we allow them that man advantage and put him on the point and give him a few slaps, I don't know. You know, that that's where the, the danger could come in. But look, look on the other side of the coin and look at who we are. Look at what this team is. Look at the hundreds of people who descended upon Belfast City Airport to welcome the team back uh, with that trophy. They couldn't believe it at the time. The The pictures that came out that night were phenomenal. I jet-lagged as I was. I was there in Cardiff that night. The, 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 the swell of emotion and the sense of unity that there was. This club is special. I don't know how many times we need to say it, but that should carry these guys into this game. They've seen the 
potential support that they could have. They experienced that Cardiff weekend. And the guys who were here last year know firsthand from experiencing that and coming home what it means to this city whenever our ice hockey club brings back a trophy it validates who we are it, it gives us a sense of pride that we can ride for an entire year and that's why those videos are coming up again and um, i just hope that you know there you know you live in the hockey bubble to a certain extent whenever you're uh you know from far away living in belfast you your circle is the boys and, and you go to the rink and you go to the same kind of bar or coffee shop or whatever but i hope that they do have that sense of just what this means to everybody um to, to be a giant and, and davy always says it you know they're wearing the badge in their chest and they're out there doing it because we can and it would mean the world if we could close it up and just mow them down and good god we've got the team that can do it friday's game 7 p.m at the sse arena or you can watch it on giants tv with seasoned probably mace and then the challenge cup final against the Guildford Flames at the Vial Arena in Cardiff. There'll be a lot of Belfast Giants fans making their way to that arena for the game. Uh, details haven't been announced yet of any webcast, but you know there's going to be one. We'll uh, probably Ice Time TV guys will will let you know of that. But if you're not going over to that, keep an eye. I know there's also, I think there's plans of the, of the cinema as well, of it being shown at the cinema. But I will keep you up to date on those details on at AVF. TB, what a weekend we have in store. Any other business, gentlemen? Do you want to do anything? No, sir. Right, then I'm just going to jump on my soapbox here. Um, in the last few days, well, certainly over the last week, I have been contacted by a few people on Twitter privately about emails and different things that have been said about members of the Giants fan base specifically children as well, um, about haves and have-nots and people getting things and people getting things more than others. You've got the wise up people, right? These are kids that come to our club. And one of the really fantastic things about our club is Laura Small and the work she does and how she brings in families that have got troubles and they've got kids that have got problems medically and otherwise. And we treat them with dignity and we give them somewhere to come and somewhere to love. and these families become part of our family. And, you know, I look at the McLeans and having to put out a statement to try and justify going on a, a on a trip of a lifetime, if you want to call it that, I can guarantee you now they would rather not have been going on that trip. You know, if you know what I mean by that, Joel. And, yep. um, you know, we've se- I've banged on about this last week when we were talking about the LGBT stuff. In the land of the Giants, everyone is equal. No one is treated differently, and that has to be our mantra forever and ever. If you feel you've been bullied, if you feel that somebody is getting something you're being unfairly treated, come and talk to me, and I will either help you or I will set you straight. But I promise you, if you are bullying and being repulsive towards children in this fan base, you are not welcome by me and I hope by the vast majority. This club is about equality. It was built on it from the day and hour. It was, it was came up with co- the concept of it, and that is still the way it is today. You are welcome at our club while you are being an open, honest, and decent person. When you f- stop being decent, and especially the children, you don't have a place here. Here, here. Here, here. Well said. 
on that note, we'll wrap things up. As I said, the games uh, against the clan on Friday, 7pm, get get yourself down there, get behind the guys. Every league game is as important as the next one and the last one. It's massive coming down the stretch here. So get yourself down to the SSE Arena, and if you can't get down there, then of course Giants TV Live with Sis and Mace. Uh, And then on Sunday... The game at 4pm at the Viola Arena. The Guildford Flames. The Challenge Cup Final 2019. The opportunity to go back-to-back with that trophy in our hands. 4pm, or we'll keep you up to date. We'll see there'll be a webcast. Or I believe, as I just pull it up on Twitter here, I saw it a moment ago, uh, the Challenge Cup game is at the cinema this Sunday. Tickets on sale from Odyssey Cinema from 7pm tonight. And uh, they'll be putting on a raffle all in regards to the Junior Giants and their fundraising committee. So get involved with that. 7.50, you can watch it down at the cinema. The Challenge Cup final, 4pm on Sunday. Thank you very much to Kevin Rain for joining us earlier on. Thank you very much to Mr. McJimsey and to Mr. Neil. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Fred. We've got a big weekend ahead. Looking forward to seeing you boys this weekend. We're going down to the Viola Arena. We'll be getting stuck in. Listen, the Belfast Giants, as Joe says, can put another ban- have the opportunity to put another banner in the rafters of the SSE Arena, and let's hope they take it. Wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey. We hope to see you in Cardiff, and we'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Sports Social Podcast Network.